I learned just about everything I know about cooking from talking to, to people from Louisiana. Coming up on OkraCast, Becky Currens, mother of James Beard award-winning chef John Currens, talks about her Louisiana culinary epiphany. We also get a taste of the dried shrimp business from Robert Collins, owner of Louisiana Dried Shrimp Company. It, at one time, there was, in just South Louisiana, there was 21, the way I understand, there was 21 dried shrimp platforms over the marsh. And now I could think about maybe four that still exist, four to five. This is OkraCast from the Southern Foodways Alliance headquarters at the University of Mississippi. Stay with us. I want to hear the story of how it came to pass of all the grits and glory It's time for I'm Anna Hamilton, and welcome to OkraCast from the Southern Foodways Alliance. OkraCast is a storytelling podcast that maps food culture across the changing American South. Each week, we introduce you to the dynamic people, places, and traditions of our region. We're in Louisiana for today's episode, from uptown to the edge of the bayou. You may want to grab a pen and paper to take notes, too. Becky Currents has the stage first, and she's going to walk us through her recipe for wild duck stew. Mrs. Currents is the mother of James Beard award-winning chef John Currents, and Mrs. Currents says her son has taken a few of her culinary cues. I learned just about everything I know about cooking from talking to, to people from Louisiana. I did not come from a background of great cooks, and I love you, Mother, but my mother was a very good cook. And so cooking was substance cooking when I was growing up. But I developed a real love and interest in food uh, in, in Louisiana. We, uh, we live in, in uptown New Orleans. We went there um, after, or rather my husband was in law school there, and we were married while he was in law school, and, and we liked it so much we decided to stay. And I think one of the things that he and I love the most about it is the wide variety and selection of food types and food styles. And I just had the great fortune to know some, some wonderful Cajun cooks, and I tried to pick their brains for, for ideas and, and the how-tos. And, and then I've got, I've got more cookbooks than the law should allow and, uh, because I was curious enough about cooking to, to buy and read well, I'm afraid it's hundreds of cookbooks. But there are types of foods that I, I like to, to cook. Duck stew, um, because uh, it was one of the, the first dishes that John admitted to the world that, <laughs> that he, t- he took his influence from me. And, it, and basically, it's, it's wild duck. And, of course, wild duck, like any wild bird, does not have very much fat. And so in order to, to have it to its, to its best it's got to be done in a stew or a gumbo. Um, and th- this duck is, is braised first in red wine and broth until it's tender and off the bone. And then when you take it off the bone, you, of course, it's in Louisiana. Everything starts with a roux. You make a roux, and um, then you saute certain vegetables, onions, garlic, uh, sweet uh, peppers, and, and so forth. And then you build the base from again from broth and red wine and add the 
duck meat, shredded duck meat back into that, and then I finish it with uh, slivered water chestnuts, and then all of that served over, of course, rice. It has to be for a large crowd. It's, it's too much work to do for two, <laughs> so it's always for, for a dinner party or for a, a party party. That was Becky Currents and her recipe for wild duck stew. Next, Sarah Rowan takes us to Grand Isle, Louisiana, where Robert Collins maintains his family's dried shrimp business. Yes, dried shrimp, originally a Chinese tradition that passed to Robert's grandfather in the 1930s. A portion of Grand Isle was known as Chinatown because of the Chinese shrimp dryers who, at one time, cornered the market. To give you a visual, the dried shrimp are small, bright orange, and rather sweet. Mr. Collins says they make a great snack and, in his estimation, are healthier than potato chips. In his interview, Mr. Collins discusses growing up in Grand Isle, joining the business, and the challenges facing Louisiana's shrimp drying industry today. Let's see, I was brought up in the town of Grand Isle in a small area that was called Cheya, Caminata. And at the very end of Shanghai Caminata was a small area they called Chinatown. And Chinatown was called Chinatown. It was a nickname because a long time ago, the Chinese platforms used to unload their shrimp from these marsh-surrounded platforms, in, you know, over the water. And they would come to the mainland and they would unload their product. People gave it the nickname Chinatown. And that's where I was born and raised at. My grandfather started in the dried shrimp business probably in the... Uh, probably the early 30s and it was done outside in the sun and eventually it progressed to inside dryers and that's what we're doing now and I'm just following up on the same generation same culture same type of business and my son would like to do the same thing it's a little more complicated than what it used to be so it's a it's a good great living great life did your grandfather learn from Chinese people no my grandfather was taught by the Chinese how to dry at first, the Chinese tradition of drying shrimp, they're the ones who had the skill and the art of doing it. And they slowly taught us how to do it. Yeah, when the, when the marshland-based platforms were shutting down, they were looking for more land-based platforms. And my grandfather being friends with them over the years of letting them unload their product on their property and stuff, then what happened is they got to be friends, and he was one of them, one of the first Americans that they taught to dry shrimp. Yeah, so, you know. We've been in ever, been in ever since then. So then um, your grandfather passed the business on to your parents, I guess? Yeah, to my dad and his two brothers. And eventually my dad ended up with it, and he eventually sold it to me, and I lost it for Katrina. And we're just getting back to get back into business and getting back up again. So You're the only shrimp dryer on the island right now, right? Right. right. I'm the only one on the island that does that. It, at one time there was... In just South Louisiana, there was 21, the way I understand, there was 21 dried shrimp platforms over the marsh, all Chinese-owned. And then when I really got into the business, I could remember about 12 different drying plants that were around. And now I could think about maybe four that's still existing, four to five. And that's it, you know, so it's a tough, not everybody, the younger people don't really want to do that anymore. There's simpler ways of making a living, so... I guess you have to enjoy it. You have to love it to stay in it. So. What do you think? So there, there are less shrimp drying facilities in this area than there were. Do you think that there's less consumption? Or, um, 
I don't know. What, what do you think the oh, reason is for that? It's a combination of a lot of things. I think. I think the price. The price of the seafood has gone up, which has driven the price. So I think the sales are a little slower than it used to be. I think our biggest market is Asian people. They consume dried shrimp. And I think, like any other culture, um, the younger people are eating at McDonald's and Burger King's. And they're not going back home to eat dried shrimp that the parents cook. Just like our, you know, just like American children do. And that's what I think. It's, you know, they're just not consuming as much of it, you know. But I think there's a lot of room for new development and new marketing in it, which I think we can bring it back up to a level that it might have been at one time. So, you know, maybe just a, a little more modern focus on it. Maybe actually some new products that we could do with it. I think it would be great, you know. So I'm, I'm waiting to see what the future brings. That's pretty fascinating. Did you always know growing up that you wanted to go into the family business? Definitely. That's all I wanted to do. It had a tough time, tough years, but uh, it's a good living, good life. You don't, I don't intend on ever getting a millionaire unless I win the lottery, you know. But uh, it's a good life, you know. And I want the kids, the kids are going to go on to college. And if they're still interested in it, they're more than welcome to take over the business. And if they're not, then they can move on. Then there'll be another part of the seafood industry that dies off. So hopefully one of them will have a little interest in it. That was Sarah Rowan interviewing Robert Collins. There's plenty more of Mr. Collins' transcript on our website, southernfoodways.org. He delves more specifically into the process of drying shrimp, confronting a bad shrimping season, and his family's tailgating tradition at LSU, where the standard fare is, you guessed it, shrimp. Lose yourself in the Southern Foodways archives while you're there, where we've collected over 800 interviews from across the American South. We'll catch up with you again next week. I'm Anna Hamilton, and thanks for listening. Overcast is the soundtrack for the Southern Foodways Alliance, bringing you the stories behind the food. The Southern Foodways Alliance documents, studies, and celebrates the diverse food cultures of the changing American South. If you're hungry for more, visit us online at southernfoodways.org and consider joining us as an SFA member. I want to hear the story of how it came to pass. Okay.